Hello and welcome to In The Frame. We have a dream of a theatrical legend for you today, the one and only Janie D. There isn't time to list all of Janie's theatre credits. She is an Olivier, an Evening Standard Award winner. Just a few of her recent shows have included Follies at the National Theatre, uh, Jamie Lloyd's Pinter Season, the title role in Linda in New York, she was in Hand to God in the West End. She did The Seagull, the open-air theatre in Regent's Park. Uh, Bly Spirit opposite Angela Lansbury. And she was Dolly in Hello Dolly at Leicester Curve. To tremendous, tremendous acclaim. Uh, just before lockdown, she was also producing the London Climate Change Festival at the Charing Cross Theatre. Janie is always incredibly busy and... Uh, even though she's had some downtime recently, she's now back and she has some big projects on the horizon. So firstly, on the 15th of August, she is reprising her acclaimed performance in A Little Night Music for a socially distanced concert production at Holland Park. On top of that, she's also currently preparing to perform her brand new cabaret at Crazy Cox, which you can either watch in person or online. Uh, Janie is someone I've spoken to several times over the years and she's always so much fun to speak to because uh, firstly she's very thoughtful and very inspiring but she's also unpredictable you never know what she's going to say next and she's just has so many great stories so many really interesting things to say this was our very first podcast together and she did not disappoint uh, we, of course, discuss all of her projects as well as Follies, uh, why she was, she was very honest and she said why she was slightly relieved that the London Climate Change Festival was pulled. Uh, and she also talked about why she needs to look at her work-life balance after this pandemic. Um, it's a very atmospheric episode. Janie was sat in her kitchen and there were some hilarious moments and I decided to leave them all in because it all adds to the fun. Here is the interview. Janie D, it is such a pleasure to have you in the frame. <laughs> well, it's uh, all happened very quickly being in the frame it has it has good to be here good to be back well I I want to talk all about a little night music in a second because I imagine that has also come together pretty quickly but before we dive in and talk about that first of all how are you how are you getting on what's this period been like for you well in many ways it's been a welcome a welcome time of rest and mm-hmm. gardening and cooking, which I don't think I've done for 25 years. You know, I, I actually love it. And I realise how much I've missed doing that. Um, but what happens when you do that is you become totally, or I do, become a mum. And mm. I cannot remember the artistic side of myself. It just goes, it's gone. And uh, so when I got the phone call about Crazy Cox and phone call to do a play with Griff Reese jones which is we're still not sure we can do it and but each time a phone call comes through like that I sort of oh, that person comes back into me again and I'm like oh god you know off I go on a dream of uh how it will be to do this play or that musical or this cabaret or whatever it is and start to become the creative again but my creativity has been in the in the kitchen and in the garden and uh, just you can't you you're the only person who'll see this but these are a, a selection of my wonderful tomatoes that have just oh, gorgeous. gone red yeah I know and it's lovely you know so <laughs> uh, I I do feel like this whole thing that's just happened to all of us it's not to be taken lightly there's lots to have learned I've learned lots by being at home I'm not sure I'll ever want to do what I did before which was cram 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 as many jobs at one time as possible really the work ethic is what what gets me I'm a hard worker I like working hard I love the buzz of having too much to do and having to cram it all in but it it really has made me realize I've spent 25 years not in my garden I've spent 25 years not bothering to make pastry bread cake and it's such a lovely thing to bother to do, you know. 
I want to taste some Jenny D pastry. <laughs> it's good. It's good. <laughs> I'm getting so good at this stuff, honestly. So Little Night Music is it's a show that's followed you around for a few, quite a few years now, almost 10 years, because I'd forgotten until just now when I was on Google that you did it originally in Guildford, right? Alex Parker wow, yes. did it in Guildford. And that was 2012, 2013, something like that. Okay, so there's actually I, seven yeah. years. I just want to say the seven years, Andrew, <laughs> not ten. Okay, yeah, seven years. It's, it's a good number. Yeah, Only seven. Good I, number. I, I, yes. Um, but then I came to see it at the Palace Theatre when you did it 2015, I think it so was. So five years, five years ago, yeah. Five years. Mass, I'm, I'm a theatre person. I'm not a mathematician, so... No, it's all right. Me let's, too. Let's, I'm glad to hear that it is only five years ago since we did it at the, uh, the Palace in a funny sort of way, because you were, you were there that night. It was quite a special night, I think. And it was. I haven't forgotten it has stayed inside me that night, you know, and... Um, it, you can only carry it inside you. You can't show anyone or uh, listen to it. I think Alex has got something stored somewhere, but I haven't ever looked or... I can just feel what happened that night, and it's inside me. And actually, that night, together with putting it together, kind of begat Follies. Yes. And then Follies begat a situation where Joe Riding came up to me and said... By the way, I would love, love, love to do. What's is that your phone? It is. I'm so sorry. I'm not it's going to answer it. The, answer it's very theatrical. <laughs> I know. It's, it's not even my idea. Um, it's one of the kids. Anyway, sorry about that. You'll just have That's to okay. probably hear my husband's voice now as well. Oh, there you go. Hello. A little night music um, was begat from uh, Follies the second time around, Joe Riding coming to me and say, I, I want to do that again. I would love to do that again. And I said, great, because I'm just about to ask James Clutton at Holland Park Opera. He had dinner with me at the National and he said, I'll try and do it. He tried to get the rights and somebody had got them already, but I don't know if you know about a little night music, but we're about to do it on the 15th of August in the park. Thanks to Rick Pappas and Sondheim saying, yes, you can have it for the night. Um, we're trying to squeeze in another performance because we literally sold out in six minutes this morning. So that's rather lovely. It's a, it's a thing we've always had the momentum from the last time to do it again. And we're not sure we'll be able to do it more than that once, but it just feels that we should. I was standing on the forecourt of Holland Park Opera House, Holland Park House, and I just thought, oh my God, this is perfect for a little night music. This is the chateau. It's the chateau. It is exactly how I'd imagine it. And there's a wonderful cloister where one can make entrances and exits and the roof and the stairs. And it's just gorgeous. And we have sold out. So there's a chance that we might do a second performance. We're just talking about it literally as you phoned. We're, we're trying to discuss with the management at Honham Park Opera if it's possible, if they think they can handle it, if we think we can handle it. Uh, but, you know, it's at a strange time that we're going through. It feels like the right time to be saying thank you, celebrating life, to give of ourselves, to get back into shape anyway. Um, it's very good. I mean, the only downside of making good pastry and bread is that, you know, one can get a little bit out of, uh, out of condition. Yeah. Uh, despite the yoga at six o'clock in the morning every day, more or less. Oh, my it, goodness yeah well it's something I've had to do because otherwise I just literally turn into a turn into my auntie Dolly god bless her soul I would turn into my auntie Dolly if I didn't do my yoga every morning ever wondered what it takes to make it in the movie business peel back the curtain with four six success filmmaking 4-6 Success Filmmaking is where filmmakers share their stories and the secrets. It's beyond competitive out there. There have been movies that it's taken me 10 years to get made. Don't wait to create. Like, you've got to just keep making stuff. Tune in to 4-6 Success Filmmaking for your dose of cinematic realness, direct from the voices that have lived it.
Well, the pastry is, is going to have to wait for a few days whilst <laughs> you go to Holland Park to do this. Yeah. But I remember, it's interesting you saying that because about how Joe came to you and, and wanted to do it again, because I remember I, I probably wrote it in my review at the time that it just seemed criminal that this glorious production with this incredible orchestra and magnificent yeah. cast could only do it once you know it was yeah. one of those shows I came away and I wanted to tell everyone else to go and see it but of course I couldn't no. so I'm so pleased that it is coming back and it's interesting I assume that it was because of well it partly is due to the circumstances of lockdown but it's interesting to hear that you and Joe were talking about it whilst you were in Follies together and that you were trying to do it again because mm. as an audience member it was so special and I want to see it again so I can only imagine what it was like for all of you guys who were working on it you must have come away especially with that material and just wanted to explore mm. it further and to revisit it at some point. Yes, yes. Well, we, we have a couple of new uh, family members. Um, mm. We have Damien Humbleby and he, he and I have really a, a great working relationship. So it's, it's very joyful, this idea. And, you know, a couple of family members have changed. Anne Reid won't be with us. So we have Hilary Harwood, who is wonderful. I've just been rehearsing with her and she's, she's really great. Mm. Um, but all good, good, really good, good performers, great performers and wonderful voices and lovely, uh, albeit slimmed down orchestra because we, again, socially distanced, we have to have to look at that. But there are some wonderful moments in the, piece that I'd forgotten about that are going to be very poignant, even more poignant now. Oh, I was going to yeah. say what was it like to open that script again and to look at this material because it is, it's oh, a it's really magical. special It's, it's magical and you know that's why I say it stayed inside me, the magic of it, because when I stood on the forecourt I, not- I, I imagined that the sun would go down on our performance as it came to the finish and I just thought this is how I've always wanted to do it in the open air. I don't know if you if you know that I've been well. I, I've I've I'm organising the London Climate Change Festival, and so I've been wanting to do things more naturally, almost like a living film. And so mm. we are going to be doing it in the the light, the real light, with sound. We can't really get around that. You do need sound, but we're trying to make everything absolutely carbon free. So even the electricity we're trying to do from a a generator that's uh, you know um, renewable energy mm. so it's all it's all quite exciting to try this I've never been to the venue can you paint the picture is it is it a traditional outdoor theatre setup similar to Regent's Park or is it okay quite so space? so it's more basically the park has a central house to it called Holland Park House Lord Holland lived there many many years ago uh, it was bombed in the war, so part of it has been rebuilt behind. But the face of it is sort of, I don't know the history, it's probably 17th century, I'll have to look that up, we'll look that up. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's, um, in fact, I'll look it up whilst I'm talking to you. Um, <laughs> That's the joy of doing a Zoom interview. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Holland Park House, there we are. There we go. It doesn't give me the date of it here, damn it. Uh, <laughs> doesn't say, no. Anyway. I'm sure you can it's actually in the back of it is a youth hostel so you can actually uh, stay there but the front of it is this gorgeous uh villa with wonderful steps down the front and then this huge court with great big gates behind the the court where the audience will be uh behind them is uh, huge gates as if the count and countess could come in there you know mm. it, it's really really wonderful Mm-hmm. And you're, of course, taking on something of an iconic role. Yeah. A, a few people have, have played before and you have to, you're, you're performing a particularly iconic song as well. Yeah, I know. The Clowns. I know. So, yeah. I mean, you've been in all, you've been in these situations like your career where you've, you know, taken on amazing roles and you've originated lots of stuff, but you've also done lots of things when you've played roles, which, you know, many performers have taken on before you. Does that does that affect your performance? Do you do you how much research do you do in terms of who's done it before? And do you go? Are you someone who goes onto YouTube and who watches different things? Other people I do. do I it? I mean I, I like to have a look at what other people have done. Um, uh, you know, and I I have to say with Follies, the original 
woman who played it, name escapes me again. Um, wonderful performance. And I obviously didn't want to copy anyone. It's just to see where they took it, where they didn't take it. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm always going to be true to myself because that's what I've learned as an actor so far that suits me. I can then feel it more if I'm connecting to my own truths. Um, also, I have to do my own research about the actual character. Yes. And uh, I think it's interesting because more has come out for me this time that I've looked at the script than ever before. And it might be because because I'm mo I've moved on and because my life has changed quite a lot over the last few years. And it's, it's very different now. And I empathize a bit more with her than I did. Um, she's scatty. She's, she's not as, she's not the, you know, the countess that she plays in the first play that Anne and Frederick come to see her playing in is meant to be this woman who just has all these men and they fall at her feet and she improves their marriages and all that kind of thing. Well, as it happens, that sort of works with the Countess, but that's really due to the Countess's moves. But um, it strikes me that, that, that she's just been working very, very, very hard and hasn't stopped. Uh, you know, this wonderful thrill she gets out of getting the award from the housing board arts council okay amateur theater group but you know she's being given a plaque it's something she wants to tell her daughter and and somebody that yeah. there is something there is something being noted about her performance you know mm -hmm. and her, her existence uh, otherwise she's pretty much on her own mm -hmm. and um i i relate to that because as an actor you you have to do so much research and so much work and then you usually travel quite a lot. And even if you're in London, you have to do your warm up, you have to do your prep, you have to sit in a dressing room and, and get ready. Most of the time on your own, apart from the boyfriend recently where we were all in a dressing room together, which was lovely because we had all sorts of chats and giggles, you know, together. Uh, it was very social, really great. <laughs> yeah. And there's this amazing story, which I've heard you tell before, about you were on a plane, weren't you, coming back from Japan or something. Yeah. And you were watching Stephen Sondheim give an interview. I'm not sure if it was part of a documentary or something. And he was speaking mm. about how he created sending the clowns kind of mm. very last minute, very yeah. on a whim, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, the night, one night he just went home and said, oh, I, I need a bit of a sort of song there but the actress can't really sing, so it'll be pretty easy. But he just sort of wrote, sent in the clowns and took it in the next day and, and everyone went, Ugh. but he, he never thought he was writing the hit show song. And of course, uh, in the show, there are some great, great songs, but it just so happened that Send in the Clowns was the one that got recorded by Judy Collins and suddenly went, you know, to number one. And it was amazing, absolutely amazing. There's one of those moments, I think, when time stops and it's the simplicity so often in musical theatre we're seeing so much different work emerge I don't just mean I don't mean sometime at all I mean all different composers it's the big songs with the big notes and the you know the all the bells and whistles and how amazing actually in a little night music which actually does have lots of complicated moments and big notes and all sorts of different things happening but it is this moment of of bliss and calm, mm. uh, which really makes the audience stop and pause yeah. for a moment. Yeah, I know it's got a, it's got a, it's almost as if time stops for yeah. it. I think in a way it does. Mm. Um, she so thought she'd got it sorted. She doesn't really expect him to say what he does to her at that point. She's, she's got it totally wrong hmm it's it's, a, it's, it's, it's an amazing it, moment in musical theater I really yeah yeah adore it really yeah adore it. yeah it's and great I think it's gonna be a very emotional to see that moment and the whole show again with a orchestra and yeah. at this venue well actually I stood in the middle of Holland Park thinking I really want to do this what would make sense of it and I thought it is a kind of celebration of life mm -hmm. in all its 
messy, chaotic glory and human failing. It is a poignant celebration and a funny celebration of life, mm. a joyous celebration. And I, I felt at that moment, I'm so lucky to be alive. Plus, I also think the piece has a level of theatricality which audiences are going to embrace because right now that's what we miss. We miss theatre. We miss the drama. We miss the theatricality of a press night. You know, we we miss all of that. So to see some of these characters and all their glory is really going to give us a taste of Oh, it's going to be gorgeous. I remember, (laughs) actually, I was watching the the National Theatre Live uh, season that they did on the Thursday night. And I didn't didn't get all of them, but I got a few and, and I each time I felt the thrill of the live performance coming back into me. And um, each time thinking, gosh, I mean, we've got to find a way to, to, to make this happen still. Mm. Um, even if ultimately I end up baking cakes and making bread and doing the gardening for the rest of my life. I mean, that's me, but for, for other people, I think it's such an inspiration to go and see something in the theater. It's a place you, you enjoy your life again and you enjoy dreaming and you enjoy thinking and bouncing off the ideas that you get on the stage you get given a a conversation really about Mm. all sorts of subjects thanks to theatre and still people can say things in a play or a musical that they can't say face to face always to people Mm. but it needs to be said so it it gives us democracy you know as the greeks will tell us that that's how it all started there Mm. freedom Mm. of speech through theatre you know, and it's so important in these times to keep that alive. Obviously, the joy and the music of it as well. But, you know, I, I'm not sure quite what's going on. But I do think that we must uh, have that storytelling alive and each other's company to share it, to be inspired by each other, for, you know, for the, the, the beauty that is being alive. Yes, I think that's what a lot of people are are missing and I don't think you realise until it's gone just how impactful it all is on our lives, on our day-to-day lives. Those people who go to have theatre in their life, whether that be as a creative or as an audience member, you know? Yeah. And talking of that NT Live season, I had everything crossed that Follies was going to be included. (laughs) Yeah. I'm so sad that we didn't get to see that. I don't know what happened there. I I was sure we'd be seen. We'd be be seeing it, but... uh, it did no, it didn't it didn't arrive, but who knows? Maybe they're saving it for the second spike or something. Yee! Oh god, let's not <laughs> that's the, let's not look ahead. No, no, I'm joking. I'm really joking. <laughs> I, I I don't know what they're what they're doing with that. I it, maybe it's God, I don't know, rights mm. or something, you know. Tell me about um, you and Alex Parker, because you and Alex Parker had this amazing history together yeah. and have done, well, you've, you've had an amazing journey with this show, but putting it together and, and other concerts. Mm. Um, and he's a very talented person, isn't he? An amazing, at the moment, you know, leader in the industry to get this concert together and to put to bring it all together. Um, mm. It was really extraordinary. So when did, when did you two first meet? I can't, when did you, how did you two know each other? Well, I met Alex through Laura Pitt-Polford, who said to me when I was doing Dolly at uh, the, the Curve in Leicester, um, she said, would, would you be able to, do, to meet my friend? He wants to do a little night music and he'd love you to play, uh, you know, Desiree. And I said, I'd, she said, it's only at Guildford, you know, it's only And I said, no, I'd love, I'd love to meet him. And so he came over here with Alistair Knights, who is also with us on this. Yes. And uh, we, we started to look at the role and I told them my worries about me doing it. And they said, no, no, that's not a worry. We're not worried about it. And uh, so I, I just loved them from the moment we met. I felt really comfortable with them and really excited by them. Mm-hmm. And in fact, with the Holland Park thing, I contacted James Clutton when I was doing Follies to say, I'd like to do this here. And he said afterwards, you know, another time maybe, but I can't get the rights. And so after I'd written to um, James Clutton again to say, what do you think? Could we come and do it there? And he said, well, maybe. My first port of call was Alex, because I thought, I don't think I can cope with this without Alex. Also, Alex is a brilliant producer. He is just, he's not just a musical director, he's a producer. And we all love him. So 
when he says to a bunch of people, do you fancy this? It's uh, just one and it's not as much money as usual because we can only perform to 200 people. But what do you all think? Everybody says, absolutely count me in. You know, we did that together, that bit. We asked, you know, sort of half a company each. But but nevertheless, he is my I, my buddy and I totally believe in him. I think he's a genius, a very nice genius. And Alistair Knights also, I said, let's get Alistair back because, you know, you two are sort of golden together. And also, he he's just been doing all sorts of things. He's been to China to do stuff and he's... He was the director on the touring um, version of Sister Act. And, you know, I mean, he's he's grown as well. And I mean, it's exciting to keep coming back together with more. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're, we're on a set and we have a company and we have an audience. And, you know, the green light only happened a week ago. So it's just incredible uh, mm-hmm. that it's all gone. But Alex and I, as I say, met at that. And then and then from that became, uh, began uh, putting it together which was the year that I'd given up the business because my husband was becoming a lawyer. So at the end of that year, he phoned me and said, and I've been doing very little because I had to be home. And he said, what do you think? It's four nights at Guildford uh, doing putting it together. And I said, I would do it for nothing. <laughs> I mean, literally, and I think I did. But anyway, we, went, we then went to uh, <laughs> St. James's and yeah. we, we, uh, we, we made a, a bit of money there because we sold out before you know it had opened so that was fantastic and from that sometime uh became a bit closer in some ways yeah and so i also feel like good. since you did putting it together at the saint james you haven't you haven't stopped since then i mean no. you really haven't had a break until now no. yeah and you i went th- straight into blind spirit didn't you and then you did so many shows i remember that amazing you did the seagull and all sorts of other things as well you just were cramming in so many different things as you were saying at the well it start. was amazing that the seagull came after i'd been to uh russia with Midsummer Night's Dream, and I played Titania on the stage where the seagull was premiered. And at that point, I connected to Chekhov in another kind of way. I was in his country, I was on the stage where he previewed it, where it flopped, by the way. Can't mm. believe it, can you? Um, but on the on the subject of outdoor theatre, about Holland Park, I think, I think the seagull at the open-air theatre is one of the most stunning outdoor oh, productions the, the simplicity but also complexity of that design with the the mirror it was just glorious to yeah watch. oh i know i couldn't believe it i i actually thought it was it was tangible what what went on it felt so much more real mm. because we were out rather than in with lights on stuff and i I, as a, as a, a new, very newly um, active green person, I do wonder whether we should be taking the opportunity at this time to be questioning how much we should be using for theatre if we're not using green energy, and even if we're using clean energy. All the lights that we use nowadays, it's it's more and more and more and more and more, you know more and more effects and I, I think we really need to be responsible how much we use if we're going to carry on the way we how, were. How was your festival at Chang Cross it going was, to work? Oh I see well yeah that was uh, exactly so we were looking at how to keep it green and I asked uh, the theatre manager to change his electricity to green energy clean energy and he said not until the contract's up so I wasn't quite sure when we were, just as it was pulled, I was thinking, oh God, you know, I'm now in too deep to do this without completely and utterly thought through ecological, sustainable emphasis on my fest, on this festival, on our festival. And it was a bit of a relief when we were pulled. I have to say we weren't quite ready because we had fantastic scientists lined up to talk to us to we had fantastic celebrities coming to do cabaret in the name of uh becoming greener taking action in your own home i mean extinction rebellion go to um extraordinary lengths to take action in that they they go out and um you know protest to parliament and to protest 
But I, I felt what, what we could do was invite individuals to make a change in their own home. So suddenly I was getting more and more information about what we do in our own homes that we could change and that would make a huge difference to the whole. And so I got very excited about that, finding out that if you turn off your electricity every single night at the wall, all the, the plugs that we leave on, just turn them off. That makes a huge difference overnight how much electricity is being used. If you buy less food, eat less food, certainly the food you're cooking for yourself, don't waste it, don't throw it away, eat the whole thing. Change the way you buy you know don't buy as much eat fresh food every day if you can you know maybe do two shops a week rather than one shop and walk to the shops or cycle to the shops rather than drive stuff like this simple stuff that is lowering your own quota of carbon emission mm -hmm. and it was i've changed the way i live through focusing on it it's very exciting to live like this i'm constantly eating fresh vegetables and using everything of that, you know, the beetroot leaf, I didn't know, was the most delicious vegetable <laughs> on earth, right? If you cook it with garlic and butter, it's like the sweetest spinach you've ever had. It's delicious, right? Oh my God, it's so exciting to discover that the carrot tops, you can chop up as well and cook them with butter and garlic. It's really nice. So mm. you don't throw all this stuff on a heap where it's okay if it's in the compost, but if it's in your rubbish bin and then it goes on a rubbish bin, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, thing it's it's just disgusting you know so just to give you an idea a third of the world's waste is caused by us in our kitchens wow. a third and the food waste we have per year could feed the hungry of this world four times over gosh i mean that speaks for itself but it's really interesting to hear you to think about it within our theatres mm. and how we can make our our theatres uh, uh well we can change where we work to ensure that we are being greener because i imagine there is a lot of waste from productions and from theatres yeah yeah we have never really thought about it's not something that's been explored as far as i'm aware in in, in this kind of way for we we we, we, we seem to think that we have an endless eternal supply of everything but we really don't we just don't um there's a lot there's a lot to do but so do you do you not. think that the london climate change festival could work is it something you still are keen to work on oh, oh once God, it's yes. over it, it's postponed it's postponed you know until when watch this space but the 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 website is live and there's so many good things on the website to read about and we're constantly updating it and uh, doing, you know, uploading Zoom chats and um, ideas and uh, information. And hopefully the idea is information, inspiration and hope. Because if you talk to some people who know better than I do, they'll say, too late, mate. So I don't want to go down that road of, oh, well, it doesn't matter because it does matter to the children you know, to the future, mm. it matters. So mm. I want to try and, you know, galvanize as much action as possible. I think we mm. could do amazing things, I really do. Again, mm. with this pause in time, we have been able to realize that we are much more linked. I've been talking to people from Australia on Zoom. <laughs> yes, me too. I did, I mean, it's incredible. We can connect to each other and we, yeah. we, we, we can do in a really good way. Yeah. And at the moment, the creative arts is being shut down. We must make that part of our creativity and our, our joining together because that's when the truths can be spoken and things can be kept healthy, you know. Mm. But uh, I'm talking in, in gobbledygook a little bit because I'm not totally sure what's really going on. But I, I think, you know, we have to be careful of what's shut down, of how much we're sitting around on Zoom, of how much we're not getting up and moving and coming together. But at the same time, we don't want to make each other ill. It's a it's a, a huge balance, but a huge number of factors. A huge number of factors. But I, I want to believe that through theatre and through music and through talking and through connecting to each other, we can inspire each other to um, make a difference in our own lives. Just to in, do your own little bit, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um. 
I need to ask you about your cabaret at Crazy Cox. Is that yeah, your you other do. project oh that you're currently yeah. in the middle of? So where are you at? How did well, was, were you working on the new show anyway? Is this a new show? What what what's happening? Well, as always with my cabarets, I keep a bit of stuff that I I hold dear to me that I feel comfortable with because it gets me and everybody else in a very comfortable state. And as we're going to be live streaming my cabaret uh, all over the world, I do want it to be good. So I'm not going to be an idiot and try and learn to loads and loads of new songs, but I'm not in the place I was before lockdown happened. So there are some stuff, there are some songs and some, some musical pieces that I want to bring into, uh, and actually some spoken word that I want to bring into my cabaret because I feel like there's some funny things that have happened to me in this time, but there are also some really profound things that have happened to me in this time. And I, I'm going to try and reflect on, on that and, and look forward to uh, the potential and optimistic view mm. because there's too much doom and gloom otherwise. Mm. Um, mm. I, I'm aware of the doom and gloom, very well aware. I think we all are. Uh, but I think in cabaret, we want to have a good time. We want to enjoy each other's company. I certainly do. There's no fourth wall. I won't be able to go up to people literally because we still have to have that social distancing uh, rule in, in place. But I am looking forward to how I can play with that. <laughs> and I don't know quite how I'm going to do that because I love stepping out of the stage and into the audience area when I do cabaret you know but I've been told very seriously not to do that <laughs> JD stay on the stage yeah yeah I know <laughs> I know but you know I don't know if you've seen like I have that so many people are walking around with no masks and stuff and um a, a bit of me also feels sort of embarrassed to say to some people sorry I'm going to put my mask on you know there was a young girl yesterday I picked up from the train station and I felt rude but I should have put my mask on but I didn't and I'm really sorry that I didn't now because it's only afterwards I thought god what if you know what if I pick up something and I can't do my shows that would be terrible mm. anyway mm. what are you like what's your relationship with social media are you how how active are you on social media? How much time do you spend looking at what other people are writing on social media? I I read I read quite a lot on social media, but I have so many emails in my inbox and so many things that I've stored that yeah. actually I'm finding it very difficult to use my phone full stop or anything because it's all full up. <laughs> and um I do need to find a time to let go of the stuff I've kept, but because I don't really keep a diary properly, I'm using my emails as a, Oh my God, I said that and I did that. And that's where, and so-and-so came and did that with me. And you know, it's a lovely way to look back on your life, but please advise me if you know any ways to kind of store your old emails. I'd love to know that. I think Does on it... your phone, I can't believe I've been giving technical advice on the podcast, <laughs> but on your phone, I think you can choose how how many emails are actually stored physically on your phone because they should be stored online on your on Hotmail or on Outlook or on Yahoo or whatever you use. Mm. So I think on your phone settings, you could change it so you only keep emails that you received in the last week physically on your phone. Okay, I'll do that. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, Definitely. people listen to this for to to hear about theatre and they've heard a lot about climate change and a lot about tech advice <laughs> and about gardening and cooking <laughs> i have to say i've just had one of my tomatoes and they are so beautiful i did imagine when i first went into i backed off into my own room at the beginning of lockdown I had a very good friend staying here and she said her boys were arriving from la and just before they arrived, I had a terribly frightening um, interview with the doctor who was irate at us saying, please, my people are dying here. Will you please not meet together? It's too serious. And so I said to my friend, I'm, I'm going in the room, in my room, have the house. I'm, I'm fine. I just I need to get back there and be on my own because I don't want to chance this. This doctor is, you know, sounding really distraught. So I took a hot plate with me, which I'd been given some time back, a hot plate and some lentils and rice. And I had the water from the bathroom. So I just went and lived there for two weeks and I loved it. I loved 
Wow. Notice noticing the quiet that happens just at twilight. And I started attempting, I didn't always manage it, but to go to bed with the sun and get up with the sun. So I wasn't using any electricity apart from to heat my food. Um, mm -hmm. I learned a lot in that time. It was quiet. And as you say, I haven't stopped for ages. So it was really precious to think about what are we doing here? What am I doing here? If I'm simply rushing around doing bits of theater, blah, 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 it's not going to make sense by the end, you know? Mm. I want to be with my family and I want to be with my garden, yeah. you know, yeah. and I want to be with people through theater, but not to the extent that I was. No. Well, it's also interesting to hear you saying that because about <laughs> going to bed with the sun, waking up with the sun and having that moment of quiet because even now our theatres are shut and we're all at home, I still think there is a lot of noise when you open your phone and you go onto social media. And mm. rightly so, people are in these awful situations and they're shouting about it. And it's, it, you can't help, I don't think, as a human being to read all this stuff that on, on Twitter or on Facebook without taking it upon your own shoulders. So I also think it's important to sometimes switch off and to sometimes be with yourself. And yeah. To, to think your own thoughts. You can't take on everyone else's problems all the time. I just, I was interested to hear what you thought. Well, I, I have spent easily, if I start on my phone in the morning, if I open it first thing, I'm suddenly stuck on it three hours later. And I miss the morning, which I've grown to love and adore. That quiet mm. time, six o'clock onwards, it's just wonderful. Sometimes earlier, it's just a wonderful time. It's extra that most people aren't taking. And it's really, I mean, once upon a time, I'm sure people were up at that time having their breakfast out in the field. Make, and that's yes. what I was going to say, that when we first went into lockdown, sorry about my phone. <laughs> can you hear it there? I can <laughs> hear it, yeah. Oh, a little shit, bit. sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Don't worry. It's you can real see life. how much I've done of this, can't you? I'm really unprofessional. With but no, it's also things. funny, though, because you say <laughs> that you've had all this time to switch off, but it still feels like you've got quite a busy house. And you've been doing rehearsals, and it still feels like you are quite busy in some ways. This is new because I have put out that, yes, I will do this and yes, I will do that. I could have said no and I didn't and I thought I was going to say no but I don't I, I, when I was looking at a little night music there was no definite until literally a few days ago yes you got a green light so it was very tentative and now both things seem to be happening but I mean a part of me is wondering even if in a week's time whether we will definitely have a performance we don't know what's going to happen from one minute to the next you know but the worst thing is not to make a plan of some kind um, so, yes, I've said yes to a couple of things and it does suddenly go like that, as you've heard. Uh, but I'm hoping, oh, Andrew, I'm hoping that there's a way to keep the time that I've been having in the countryside mm -hmm. still in place because it's too precious. What you learn from the countryside, from nature itself, it's too precious to throw away. So somehow I'm, got to balance yeah. it. I must let you go in a minute because you, you've got lots to do, but I can't let you go without talking about follies even for two minutes <laughs> because right. yeah. I was, the first time around, I, I sat in the second row and it was almost too much to take in. It was overwhelming <laughs> to sit there and to see all of you on that stage. And I was so pleased that it came around a second time. And, you know, one of the reasons I think I was so happy and so thrilled was because, you know, you, we've spoken about it before, you, you started out doing so much at the National Theatre and so many National Theatre did so many amazing musicals and created, well, uh, utilised amazing talent, Joanna Riding, Amada Staunton, yourself, lots of brilliant people who have gone off to do wonderful things and I've always thought it's a shame they kind of lost that and they, they stopped doing a musical sometimes a, a big revival a grand revival utilizing the space at the Olivier which is so mm. unique and something mm. that is different to what we have in the West End so having done you know you did a, a few musicals there when you were starting out you know earlier in your career it must have did it did it feel in some ways nostalgic or like coming home or oh yeah some yeah. sort of full circle yeah well carousel was my first uh first job at the national and that's where i met joe and that was very very special incredibly mm. special first time and i i just thought this is it i'm going to stay here and i did for a bit i did uh, i played helen of troy in women of troy there um 
by Euripides or Kenneth MacLeish as it was, the, the version was by him. And I did Johnny on a Spot, which was a Charles MacArthur play, which Richard Eyre had a real passion for doing. And he asked me to play the lead. I couldn't believe it opposite Mark Strong. So I, I'd done a few things and I thought that's it. Off I go at the National and then didn't work thereafter for a, well, I did a couple of sort of, um, you know, workshops and stuff, but got busy elsewhere in the West End. Then I think yes. I moved into more straight work and I started doing, you know, I did Shadowlands and uh, I went on that tour, you know, with and loads of stuff with Peter Hall portrayal and stuff. So, you know, it became, it became a different sort of career for a bit. And uh, it was lovely to go back to the National, especially at a time, um, the first time round when Peter Hall uh at that moment that i think we were just about to open or we just opened and peter died and the national celebrated him and i'd spent so much time with him because he was responsible for a lot of wonderful things at the national theater i think he he helped form it with Laurence olivier you know so it meant a lot it felt so rooted all the things that were happening doing follies and the work i'd done with peter and the history of theatre itself, oh, it felt so connected and big, you know, this story of, well, I, I felt my life was full of theatre. Mm. And so it has always been. So, so it's been quite a shock to spend so much time at home and feel the way I've been feeling as I've been describing it to you. Gosh, I missed out on life a bit here. You know, theatre really did take me. It, ca it called me. And, and it had me and, and it spat me. No, it didn't. It didn't spit me out. It's never spat me out. I'm so lucky there. I'm so lucky. And I, I do give thanks for that daily, that I have something that really is my calling. You know, you have, something... I think you have a career that many you have a career that many would envy because you can one minute be doing this outrageous play, Hands of God, and then do a beautiful <laughs> revival at the Seagull, and then do a cabaret and a, a, a wonderful Stephen Sondheim musical. I mean, the, the levels of of versatility there is is amazing, and there's so many actors who are able to do that kind of who are able to do all those different things, but they find themselves pigeonholed or put in a box or they they struggle to cross mediums. You did. Yeah. Uh, I, I must watch, I didn't realise that Trimerica had come out last year because I loved that yeah. play. I saw the play four times. Oh, I haven't watched the, the, the television adaptation that you were in. But you know, yeah. it's, it's wonderful how I guess you're able to, you've been able to cross these genres and cross mediums and do these different things. Oh, I'm so lucky. I, I mean, I, I remember somebody saying, so what are you going to do? And I said, I want to do everything. I said, you can't do everything. And I said, but that's what an actor should be able to do, I think. You know, play old, play young, play play posh, play uh, Scots, whatever, you know, all accents. Um, what, you know, sh you should be able to transform yourself into anything. And the, and the appeal of cabaret, of course, is that hopefully you're not transformed. You are just being you. And, uh, or at least the best bit of you. I wouldn't want everybody to know me completely. Um, you know, living with me is not as easy as being in a performance space with me. I'm pretty sure of that. Uh, but I, but I, I do love uh, that variation, as you say, you know, of different things that one can do. And it's, it is, it's great. It's, it's made me survive all this time and learn so much and care for it and about mm. it mm. and care about the human race through it. Uh, and the planet, it's, it's all brought to me by, you know, David Attenborough and Greta Thunberg, who are in their own way artists of a, of a different kind, artistic, creative human beings who care, mm -hmm. moved by them and moved by people who latch on to that and, and put their, their weight behind it. You know, I, I think good causes are helped by the theatre. So mm. anyway, that's my little thought for the day. And it's, um, it's been so lovely talking to you, Andrew. You are really lovely to talk to. I, I find it very easy. Thank you. <laughs> no, I'm not sure I've said you. anything very interesting, but there you go. You have said a lot of very interesting things. I know you have such a loyal, supportive fan base, people who follow your career. And I know... They will always love hearing everything you had to say. I've always had so, after I've interviewed before, I've always had so many comments and emails and people approach me saying, oh, I 
loved when Jenny said this or Jenny said that. I, I've experienced really? firsthand how, you know, people really follow your career and love to follow your career. Um, and it's always very special to speak to you. So thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you, Andrew. Thank you very much. Will you be able to come, do you think, to... I am coming. Woo! Fantastic. <laughs> Try stopping me, of course. Musical theatre, I am there. Oh. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And what about Crazy Cox? Will you be able to make it there? I don't know. I don't. I need to check the dates. I will try and come to. But the good Cox. news is it's being live streamed. But either way, if I can't be there in the room, I will certainly. I'm the king of live streams. I'll be watching oh, yeah. it from home. How can I just ask you quickly? How are you finding it being sat like this on a computer or on a, on a phone all day? How do you, do you know what it? I miss? Do you know what I, I miss that time of, as I live just outside of London, so I miss that travel. I miss sitting on the train and that's when I go through my notes. So I centre myself and yeah. sit down to do an interview or, or we do another podcast where I'm talking about what's going on in the theatre world, the theatre news, etc. And I feel centred and prepared. Yeah. Whereas here, one minute I could be hanging the washing outside yes. in the garden and the next yes. second I'm sat here talking to someone incredible, but I was feel like my mind isn't quite in gear and it's that yeah. challenge to to remind yourself of who you are and who you were and who you can be and yeah, to try right. and find that balance you know that, that's, that's the only to. thing with doing your work in the home place I I find it not always useful to have my domesticity around me when I'm trying to be professional it's not difficult to be chatting with someone and when I've talked I've done a bit of teaching since I've been at home and that's been very nice and, and it hasn't worried me but if I've got to do a concert I've often done it in the kitchen you know and that feels sort of weird and a bit yeah. slapdash you know it doesn't feel like that's why you should be making your pace that's why you should be making your pastry not not yeah. doing a concert no no I know I'm, that's why I wanted to get this uh, this concert that performance yeah. of uh, a little night music up and running because i think if we just get into everybody being online nobody really wants that i don't think we want that i don't think people want it and also we we must be in contact with nature i think that's mm. the other thing mm. that matters mm. yeah listen i must let you go because we All can right, just darling. talk forever and ever and ever but thank you so much thank you yeah. jamie thank you andrew lots of love to you god bless see you soon Thank you so much to Janie for taking time out to record this episode. There is so much to take away from that chat. Perhaps most importantly, now you know what to do with your beetroot leaves and how to save some storage on your iPhone. Um, I'm here to answer all your problems on this podcast. Um, so A Little Night Music is sold out, but do keep an eye on Alex Parker's Twitter for details of a potential second performance. And for info about Janie's upcoming shows at Crazy Cox, check out the link in the episode notes. If you enjoyed this episode of In The Frame, make sure you hit that subscribe button and it would be amazing if you could leave a cheeky little Apple Podcast rating and maybe even a review. And make sure you also check out our other podcast, The West End Frame Show, and you can find West End Frame on Twitter, Instagram, and on Facebook. We had to switch around the schedule a little bit for Janie. So next week, as previously promised, I will be back with Broadway's Josh Lehman. 